Hi there, Rob. Hi, Jersey. Hey, we are recording some uh, fresh material, but only at the top of a rebroadcast episode. That's usually what it means when you hear one of our voices before you hear the music, right? Yeah, that's the case. That's what we do sometimes, a rebroadcast, digging back into the archive, finding something that we wanted to uh, present again. And and I think it's in a spirit of service to mm-hmm. to, to do that, where sometimes we have, we have a week off, and we still want to you know, keep in touch and share. And a lot of the whole point of our show is we, we dig into things in a way that's, you know, it's, it can be of its time, but, but a lot of it's, it's timeless thought process. Agreed. And uh, we also sometimes pull these up because we're going to revisit these topics again with a fresh light. And it'd be fun to like frame things up for compare and contrast as well. It's like, here's what we thought about something a couple years ago. And now we can do a new episode thinking about how we think about it today. And the topic in question is, it's uh, in episode episode 215 from December of 2017, so at the time of this recording, two years ago, celebrating mini-comics, one of my very favorite su- uh, subjects in the whole world. So you know this is going to be a discussion that we had where um, we're very passionate and excited about it, exploring possibilities, uh, exploring what forms mini-comics can take, and why it is... Um, why I think anyway, I won't speak for you, Rob, uh, why, why I think it's a good idea to incorporate them into your artistic workflow. Like what benefits can be derived from playing around with this mini comics format every once in a while? Mm. Yeah, it's, it is really a useful kind of uh, comics object in and of itself that, that can totally do a variety of jobs. So yeah, I've, I'm as excited about it now as I was then. And I think it's going to be awesome to dig back into doing more with mini comics soon after we take this uh, quick revisit, which we've, we've visited this topic a few times. A handful of times. some choosing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we did. This is, this is a good one. Episode 215 from uh, December 2017. Uh, we're about to dive in, but before, before we do that, we have to thank the people who make the show possible. Those people happen to be people who support us on patreon patreon.com slash is the website what is it it is a way for you to give us a monthly upvote if you believe in robin jersey and what we do you can support us for as little as a dollar a month you can cancel any time but you know you should wait till at least try it out for a month wait till the end of the month for the billing cycle to go through and during that month you can check out a whole bunch of stuff that is patreon only there at patreon.com slash and i want to thank five people who have been sustaining us on a monthly basis First up, Jesse Kaufman. Thank you, Jesse, for believing in us and what we do. You can find Jesse on Twitter at Jesse Kaufman, K-A-U-F-F-M-A-N. And Jodels Pox. Thank you, Jodels, for believing in us and what we do. You can find Jodels on Twitter at Artist. And thank you to Tim F. for supporting the show on a regular basis. It means a lot to us, Tim. And then, longtime supporter of the show, Ashley Knapp. You can find Ashley on Twitter at Control-Alt-Lee. And finally, Cameron Cal. Cameron Callahan. Thank you, Cameron, for believing in us and what we do. You can find Cameron on Twitter at Cam Callahan. You can join them at patreon.com slash lean into art, where you will find all the shows we make, as well as the extra leans, the shows we record only for people who support us on Patreon. Once again, patreon.com slash lean into art. Thank you so much. It means a lot to us. Thank you. It really does. All right. So do you want to listen to the show now, Rob? Yeah, let's go there. Hi, 
Thanks for downloading the Lean Into Art cast, a sh- show where a couple of visual, sto- visual storytellers get together, take on different sto- uh, topics related to visual storytelling, uh, what it's like being a visual storyteller, lifestyle stuff. Also, you know, how to make stuff, how we think about making stuff, and how we think about uh, planning to make stuff. We think hard about this stuff. So you will, too. My name is Jersey Drozd. I'm a cartoonist and teaching artist. The other host is? Uh, Hey, I am Rob Stenzinger. I am a uh, visual storyteller of various sorts, uh, game designer, UX designer. How you doing, Jersey? How you doing, Rob? Well, doing pretty well. Uh, You know, it's uh, flu and cold season. Might have a little bit of thing as far as uh, my tone adjusted. My, My instrument is 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 uh feeling the effects of the weather so mm. <laughs> just what what's what's the kind of uh you know communicable illness in, of the various seasons that you find incapacitates you the most in terms of your work <laughs> uh let's see because we both have lines of work that allow us to even potentially work in bed right it's like it's yeah. got to be something really I mean, intense for me to be knocked out like that much. It depends on the commitment that I have going on because uh, I am very thankful that I can do work from home kinds of things. And really, sometimes it's, it's, a, it's an enhancement to like what tools and stuff I have available. Other times it's, it's a trade-off as far as, you know, you can't really facilitate in-person things, right? So the hard part is like really getting in front of people if that's like next on my list and cold comes along, then that's, that's rough because then you got rescheduling and all sorts of, you know, hassles. But, um, yeah, that's the biggest challenge I would say. How about you? Um, it's, I'm usually okay with just about anything except for anything that makes me dizzy. So like, mm. even like if I get like a stomach flu and I got a really sour stomach and I, you know, or if I got like a really bad throat thing going on, I can usually keep on working. But if it's, if it's dizziness, then I'm just no good to anybody. So that's, that's the one symptom that I just can't get by with. That, um, that's a pretty darn fundamental That's one. a big one. Yeah. yeah. That's a pretty big one. Being able to sit up straight, being able to focus your eyes. But, uh, I have found that not, not to, not to paint this as any kind of heroism but yeah like even when you got like a bad cold one of the I'm, I'm highlighting this as a privilege of my line of work is that even when i've got a bad cold i can still clock in hours if i really need to you know i'm, I'm not uh i'm not i'm not crab fishing <laughs> you know <laughs> uh like 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 brandon dayton talked about on his uh on his youtube videos he's talking about like why art is often considered like a frivolous activity and he was like being very generous and, and understanding saying like, well, you know, it's a line of work where it's not physically that dangerous. You know, it's not like coal mining. It's not like crab fishing. You know, th- there's a reason that those jobs are considered to be very, uh, high paying positions. Right. <laughs> Certainly. Uh, totally. Yeah. Having, having like uh, sort of desk and office kinds of tasks in general, that's, uh, certainly, uh, yeah, a, a, an interesting privilege, but you know, uh, different dangers, right? You have sort of sedentary lifestyle challenges that you, that, that are important to manage. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah. just, yeah, other, other habits that like aren't quite what humans are necessarily evolved to do physically. Right. So, uh, you gotta, you gotta watch out for that. I actually, I, I did a little bit of reflection on that during our, uh, our creative challenge last month, art sound off. Um, what was the epi- was episode on, or the the prompt I attempted to address was fitness. 
So that's probably in the title. Ah, that was a fun one. Nice. That one was so. I I highly recommend. Man, if you want to hear Rob make himself incredibly uncomfortable, <laughs> listen to the his Polytechnic cast where he talks about his relationship with fitness. Oh, it's a great parlor uh. trick. <laughs> getting getting really uncomfortable on microphone. It's great. <laughs> It was pretty good. It was pretty good. It's like it, it was this 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 uh, dodging and parrying between qualifying your statements and offering disclaimers, but then saying, "No, I'm not going to offer disclaimers. I'm going to lean into this." Whoa! I feel really uncomfortable. Watch me qualify and disclaim again until finally he's he's like a robot malfunctioning in a corner. At one point, it's really great. It was a really good, it was a great food for thought, though, Rob. It was it was fun to listen to you argue with yourself. Uh, okay. Not just in the cute, humorous way, but also in an interesting way of like listening to how somebody processes ideas. I'm glad it was useful. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right on, yeah. So, but that definitely related to our uh, our chat here before we jump into our topic. So, mm-hmm. speaking of all that, right, yes. Speaking of which, so um, I was thinking about mini comics again uh, for a couple of reasons, and actually, the art sound off. Uh, you know, challenge is related to this as well in that um, Owen Jolens did a post uh, during the Art Sound Off Challenge uh, where he talked about making mini comics and he uh, referred to um, something that I uh, he, he attributed this expression to me that uh, that make lots of mini comics. Uh, how did he say it? Uh, ambitiously was a key to, to leveling up your skills. He, he attributed that, that phrase to me. I don't remember saying it exactly that way, but I really like it. Um, but it, it, I was thinking about that, but also um, this Saturday, I'm going to be at the Tiny Expo uh, exhibition at the Ann Arbor District Library. I know we have some local uh, viewers and listeners to this show. So, uh, yeah, to Saturday, December 9th, uh, 11 a.m. to 5.30 p.m., I'm going to be tabling. Actually, this could be the first time I think this year that I've tabled at any show. Um, and I'm going to have uh, my new mini-comics there, the Friendly Game mini-comics, as well as all my other stuff that I've been making over the years. Um, but to get ready for the show, I was putting together a bunch of mini comics. And as I was sitting there stapling them, I was like, I really do love mini comics so much. And then the light bulb went off and I said, uh, yeah, you know, how about we do that for a topic? How about we revisit this idea of, um, why, why they are so wonderful, um, both in terms of the flexibility of the format and the self-contained nature of leveling up and learning that happens when you confine yourself to a, a tiny uh, commitment, right? Oh, yeah. I, this, this is uh, – uh, mini comics are, are just – they're a fun sort of um, sanity check and uh, like a creative endeavor that – it's it, it it can be deeply satisfying and useful where like you mentioned you're going to you're going to this uh tiny expo event and assembling mini comics and that is let's see like i found them so useful to be able to go to events and have a have fresh work right or even like do a little bit of a uh, little bit of tweaking on something that isn't a big complicated project and i don't know mini comics are fantastic for that um, and lots of other things. So I'm, I'm looking for, and I'm looking at work, you know, creating a mini comic that's paired with this game project I'm working on. So, uh, yeah, super timely. Excited to talk. Super about. timely. 
And what you're talking about, uh, comic packed in with a game, uh, Shadow Electronics is in the chat and just said, hoping you'll mention the pack-in promo mini comics in toys and some food products. Mm. Uh, I enjoy and have a review article series about them. Yeah, and as a matter of fact, this is what we're talking about, right? This is, uh, here's an old Star Years figure that I have in my office. And back Ooh, then, cool. oh, this is, this is sealed. I can't even open this. Oh, my goodness. Minden Box, OOP. Um, but yeah, the, you can see behind him, you know, the toys just come with a little mini comic to give you some context for the exciting adventures that you might be able to role play with the figures. But yes, I am also a big fan of that too. The idea of a little comic that comes along with an un, um, I don't want to say unrelated, a different media, right? Whether it's a toy, whether it's a game, whether it's, uh, even if it is a food item, just like something that comes, I don't know. I love reading them. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but even beyond that, there's this whole thing that I love about the flexibility of the format itself. And I'd like to dig into that first, if you, if you don't mind, Rob. I would love that. Looking forward to it. Are we All ready right. to go, uh, uh, go on the ground? 10,000 feet up. Yes. We're ready. <laughs> we are ready now. <laughs> Mike Emirates is in the chat. He says, hello all. Who else is working on a mini comic while watching a stream about mini comics? Uh, <laughs> it's a mini comics all the way down. I hope so. That'd be really cool. Because uh, I, I do love them. Um, so when I talk about flexibility format, so even though my very first comic that I ever made and printed was like an offset printed distributed comic that I self-published, shortly thereafter I got into making, this is actually a mini comic I made in 1995. This is one of my Whoa. first ones. I've never um, seen this. No, I, I don't, I think I only have like one or two copies left. I have like the printer flats that I made for this years ago, but it's not that good. I, I, I toy, the every, toy around every once in a while with the idea of like reprinting these things in some kind of collection. Um, maybe in 2020, when this is 25 years old, I'm going to do a 25th anniversary retrospective. Probably not. But yeah, so you can hold it up to see. It's just oh, like a photocopied yeah. thing, right? Um, and actually, on the back, and I used to like just put a little piece of uh, tape here, like a, like a, uh, a low-tack tape, and I would write the person's at, or my or the address where it's going to, and this is where the postage would go. And I would actually mail these to people. Did all my comics selling via mail back then. Wow, that's really functional. I, I, it's that's awesome. I hadn't seen that that approach. hadn't even, hadn't I even think, considered. I think Zines did this, didn't they? Yeah. I must have gotten the idea from Zines. I don't think. Here's another thing. Like as an aside, as I get older, whenever I think I have a clever idea, my my next thought is I can't have been the first person to think of this. I must have seen this someplace else. <laughs> but. I don't know. I don't know if I came up with that or if that, I got that from zines. But anyway, yes. So like, it, people would get this in the mail, and it's just I would just draw it this size, you know, piece of letter-sized paper, mm-hmm. cut up the pages, put them on the flats, and print them up at the copy shop. You know, slightly different colored paper for the cover. So this is like when I think of mini comics, I think of this as like the um, platonic ideal, right? This is like as basic vanilla ice cream mini comic as it gets. And what's so compelling about this to me? is how quickly you can get into it, right? Like I made this with just like some cheap typing paper, a pencil. I didn't even ink it. I just did the pencils like really dark. And uh, And and then uh, what photocopying provided the rest of the. Yeah. Photocopy rendered it into the pure black and white. Mm. Right. Back then what I did instead of having to erase pencils, I would do my loose pencils on a single sheet of paper and then light box it with another piece of paper to do the final pencils. Mm. So that's why there's no like sketch marks on there or anything. Wow. Um, Curious. What kind anyway, of light yeah. box? Did you use a window? 
No, no. I actually had a uh, a homemade light box. I went to a, a, garage, a hardware store, got a big Tupperware, you know, like laundry bin kind of thing, cut a hole in it, put a piece of glass in there, and put a, a fluorescent light underneath. Um, oh, that's it, a cool one. I hadn't heard of that kind before. I, I, I think I read about it in some... I can't remember where I found that idea. But at the time, I was I was going to Comic-Cons as a teenager and like trying to gather as much information as I could about how to make comics more effectively. Um, and I got hooked up with this group of guys who all made mini-comics. That's what got me started. But yeah, so this is what I think about when I think about like your basic, you know, entry-level mini-comic. But then, like, this is, you know, what they call digest size, 8.5 by 11, folded in half. But then, like, the one, the format I'm totally hooked on right now is this one, which is, like, quarter size mm. of 8.5 by 11 sheet of paper, right? So here's here's your typing paper. It's one quarter of the size. Um, there's just something that's so lovely about how pocketable it is, yet it still allows you to do, like, interesting layouts in art if you really want to. You don't have to break out a magnifying glass to read it. Um, and uh, then there's even, this is one of Megan Brennan's comics. This is one called Comics the Cat. And it's this person arguing with their cat, but it's also a metaphor for arguing with our art form. <laughs> and it's uh, and these are the little itty-bitty ones that, um, and you can find a, a, a template for this at webcomics.com where it's one sheet of paper, right? Oh, that you yeah. cut a hold in and fold it up, and boom, you've got a comic. And I, even more immediate, you know. Oh, by the way, Megan Bre- Megan Dash Brennan dot com. Uh, highly, highly recommend her comics. I love them. I love them so much. Mm-hmm. She um, was a uh, guest on the show a while back. That's right. She was. Yeah. That's right. She was. Uh, yeah. Here's two pages from the comic. If you can read them. <laughs> Yeah, where she's arguing with her cat. Comics, that's not necessary. And reboot. behind comics, the cat is his gritty reboot. Um, yeah, and it's just ink on a sing, you know single color sheet of paper, but it's still you know it's 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 a fun it's a fun read. Um, and Megan also makes you know these really thin comics. This is one oh. or one about the cat from Sailor Moon. Um, but then. You can do, and I, I know we've talked about this, but we can do even more. Like, you know, like what I did with the Boulder and Fleet comic where, yeah, I do the quarter size mini comic where it's like, you know, just going to the copy shop to do the interiors. But then I get fancy art paper for the cover. I do letterpress printing or screen printing to add this sort of extra hand touch. A person made this, reminding them of that, making it seem, uh, well, okay, to put it this way, I was having a conversation with somebody not long ago where I was talking about... um Kids in uh, I ran a class a while back where the kids produced comic stories that got collected in an anthology, and someone said, uh, "Oh, wouldn't you want it to be art instead of a comic?" And I was like, "What?" You know, and like like the, it, it, after a little bit of talking and, and investigating, rather than getting all angry and, and screaming in their face, because um, we shouldn't, uh, I found out that this person thinks of art as a single handmade item, right? It's 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 not mass produced. Totally get that, right? Comic books, when you think of them, it's a mass produced, mass market item. Whereas when you add this like personal touch onto it, and, like you, you touch this, you can actually feel the raised letters from the letterpress print, right? It's like, oh, a person actually pulled a lever to make that thing, right? It makes it a little bit more of an intimate transaction of mm-hmm. sorts. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Yeah, well, it's just, it's, it had, it, there's a, a little more, um, I don't know what to call. I, I suppose there are there are qualities that you can you can look at like a mini comic that 
uh, has this rough and ready readiness, easily pocketable or super functional where it even can be mailed via its own self as a vehicle. Right. But yet that it seems like those are um, like kind of functional jobs and maybe they're not mass market, but they kind of have this the the feel of um, not that we that art special artifactness of 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 like a unique piece of art. But then it's, there's got to be this uh, you're adding a little bit more. um but it's almost like the Nate, it's not like you're just adding features to it or adding complexity. There's a little bit of a, a craft to what you're adding to give a signal of the specialness of this compared to like, well, Oh, it has foil pages, right? Or it's got a, a, a hologram on the cover. That's kind right. of, you know, <laughs> a different, you remember the nineties too. <laughs> I do. Yeah. Um, Definitely special, definitely like different, not, 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 you don't run into that on, on every single comic, but yet somehow that one, one set of features sends a signal of a crafts, you know, craft and an artist put into this probably, you know, by hand. The other is Mm -hmm. saying like fancy features, you know, big budgets and stuff. Right, right. Yeah. And putting a hologram on the cover, um, and believe me. As a fan of laser blazers, like a big fan of laser blazers, like I find them like so beautiful and charming, and I wish I could make stick laser blazer stickers of some of my stuff. Um, there's something very – it doesn't feel like a person – well, rather, I shouldn't say that. A person did have something to do with making it, but there seems some, – something seems very uh, clinical or sanitized about that, whereas – when you have something that was pulled off of an old printing press, you know that there was very little machinery. The only machinery involved it doesn't have its own motivation, right? A person has to pull a lever <laughs> in order it, to, yeah. But it's a fun thing to explore. And it, but somehow there is a similarity there um, sure. of the extra features and whatnot. But, and at some point, uh, like what if you had a printed circuit board mill at home or you have a 3d printer or you have like, we're not that many years from like crazy pants things getting added to mini comics. That's true. That's true. Now that I think about it, um, uh, oh my gosh. Um, Becky Hilburn does the, uh, the laser the woodcut, yep. the laser woodcut things for her comic, right? She has a whole bunch of products that she displays at shows and it's her art and it looks like her art. I mean, it's, it's clearly made by her. Right. But yes, yes. So there's, there are some, um, assumptions built into what I'm saying here, right? Like that. I'm not just trying to be counter argument guy, but yeah, it's weird where, so if you have somehow there's a, we have a vocabulary and it's interesting to point out like, Oh, this, this is something that is attainable by an individual. And this is only attainable by a large organization. Right. Yeah, and over time that that can shift. So that's very true. That's very true. Well, and I think part in evaluating what to take on, I think for me at least, something to keep in mind is how do I reinforce the idea that this is something that came from my hands, right? Mm. How do I keep how do I keep that present even if I do start using a three D printer, even if I do start using you know a, a CNC router or a laser engraving machine, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's another le- level to this before we dive into, like in the second half, I- I'm hoping we can talk about uh, um, some of the benefits that you get artistically from engaging with, or that we've derived uh, artistically from this, playing with this format. But 
there's another layer where the format itself feels very flexible and almost invites you to invent. And I'll explain what I mean. Um, actually, hmm. ah, I have an example right here. Okay. So flexible and invites you to invent. So here is, what is this? He-Man and She-Ra, a complete guide to the classic animated adventures. You know I love this topic. Mm-hmm. You know I love the characters. This is something I'm very enthusiastic about. This book weighs like 12 pounds. You know? <laughs> it's not a backpack not, book. It's not a backpack book, and no. it's not something that I'm just going to casually be reading in bed. The, the trade-off of having such an exhaustive tome of information is I can't, enjo- I can't uh, casually enjoy it. Right. Mm. The moment you start getting into traditional book printing and producing and publishing, you start to run into sort sort of like interesting limitations in terms of size. Right. Uh, Windsor McKay's comics, the Little Nemo comics, which which were originally produced, you know, like that big, huge. You collect those in a book at their actual original printed size. And suddenly you've got this monster. And can you casually enjoy reading that? Well, maybe. Um it's not as easy as a paperback, right? So where am I going with this? If you want to do interesting art things with your comic, playing with, the, playing with formats, playing with different cool designs and packaging and stuff, many comics make it a lot more approachable. Here's a really great example that Anne picked up at the uh, uh, Cartoon Crossroads Columbus. Um, I'll try to get it up in the, in the screen. This is called Cosmonaut. And the comic... See if I can do this while still talking to the mic. It's got like this visor you're looking through, and you're looking at this space scene here. Well, rather, it's like a man on a planet. And you slide out the comic. Let me try to slide it out. Also, another visor on the other side, and you slide out the comic. Okay. So we got this comic, and uh-huh. I'll walk through the story. Spaceship flying through space. Which way do I want to read it? Oh, this way. And, you know, uh, suddenly the engines explode or break, and the pilot's all angry. Ship comes crashing down to the ground, and we see the ship coming down, and we see there's an inhabitant on this planet, right? Mm. And suddenly the ship is landed, and the inhabitant is coming toward it. Pilot gets out. Inhabitant's got a club. They face off. You know, inhabitant comes running at the guy. Guy shoots the club out of his hand with laser zap. Ah, he's triumphant, and the savage... Uh, inhabitant is is subdued Mm. uh, and he walks away and we see what? Did I read it in the wrong order? I did read it in the wrong order. Oh, I'm I'm explaining it all wrong. Okay. (laughs) Sorry. So what this does is, here, I'll undo it. The comic is a giant loop and the story never ends. So what the story is, I think I was reading it in the wrong direction. Um, This pilot crash lands on this planet, gets into a fight with this caveman. Caveman wins the fight, and then the caveman gets in the rocket, goes into outer space, gets engine trouble, crash lands on a planet where caveman and he get into a fight. Caveman kills him, and then that caveman takes his ship, and he just goes on and on and on forever, right? Um, <laughs> doing really... this... Now doing this as a large book would be... Oh, and it's screen printed. It's screen printed on top of this. Plus, wow. the inside of the loop is just like outer space. In the, all these yeah, constellations like constellation and maps and stars on the entire so, side. And then all folds up. 
Did I get it to all fold up again? Oh, for goodness sake. Oh, what a um, trick. Because now you look at, I mean, how many interesting problems to solve in this, in, in that, in that little special work? And this is when, when, when Owen talked about making mini comics ambitiously, this is what I thought of, right? It's like, yes, oh, you're wow. solving a lot of problems with this. And you're making this really, and, I mean, the guys who sold it to us, uh, it wasn't cheap. I mean, understandably so. I mean, you look about how much work went into making this thing, uh, both in terms of design, in terms of printing, in terms of drawing and writing. Uh, but this is, uh, it's by E-E-R-O, and it's called Cosmonaut, K-N-O-T. Um, if you can, I'll see if I can link to it in the show notes. Okay, but that's then it slips really... back into. Isn't it neat? Yeah, what a um, awesome work that is. And then here's another one. This one's by one of my favorite cartoonists. This is Pranus Najukaitis, um, and this is called Laughing Meal, and it comes in this bag, like a you know fast food bag, uh-huh. which has a screen printed logo on it. Have you seen these before, Rob? No. That's, this is cool. Reach in the bag. Reach in the bag, and there's a ketchup packet. And the ketchup packet is a mini comic about some characters in going through fast food uh, drive-through type deal. Okay. And then also in the bag, you know, there's a whole bunch of mini comics in here. Oh, there are some French fries. What's the French fries? The French fries is another screen printed mini comic related to the other story in there, but a completely different size format. Right? Here's the ketchup packet one more time. Right? Ketchup packet and the fries. Different size comics telling different aspects of the story. And then there's a drink that comes with it <laughs> with another story. So cool and cute and brilliant. And then, then there's your burger, right? And then the burger has another story in another size format. And then finally, there's your toy. And there's a toy that comes with the Laffy Meal. And it's another story about a kid in the overall story. And then when you purchase it, it all comes together packaged in this Laffy Meal bag. <laughs> and this is only one of the amazing different projects that Pranus has done with mini comics, where it's just like, and again, I'm going to show this, I want to pull out one of these mini comics and hold it up to the camera one more time, because you look at it, technically there's not that much really going on, it's just a cardstock cover, screen printed, okay, screen printed or not, either way, it's cardstock cover with a single color cover, and then a short story inside. But then, the flexibility of the format of how can I make different comics of different sizes all work together, have some kind of overall interconnected narrative, and how can I package it up in some kind of interesting way? Well, right? Mm-hmm. If you did this with books like that He-Man book, you're looking at an 80-pound colossus that nobody will be able to actually – well, you're defying somebody to enjoy reading it, you know? Well, you have to wait. Whereas, you have to save up for the forklift edition, right? Right, yeah. Whereas this is like totally manageable and playful and fun. Awesome. Uh, so the the name of the creator one more time somebody's asking in the chat is uh, Pranas Pranas Najakaitis and then Cosmonaut was by uh, Eero E E R O uh, it's it, it says on here let's see Uncivilized Lab um and again I'll link to them in the show notes um but yeah these are just two of the kind of cool things if you go to shows like SPX CXC TCAF you find a lot of stuff like this and this is so. Not only do I love how accessible and easy to jump into and manageable mini comics are, uh, they also allow you to be very experimental. Um, it's it, it, it's almost like it's it's daring you to experiment with it. Whereas I don't think if you did that with like a, a traditionally printed book, it the the uh, the frictions become a lot more frictionless. You know. Hmm. 
Right, because there's uh, there there are uh, certain affordances that a large scale comic you know provides you as far as what you know printing in mass high quality offset offset work that has vibrant colors and whatnot, um, lots of colors, right? And there, I mean, because you have the whole CMYK um, color space to work with, right? Where you may have less of a color space to work with to to get like the nice crisp printing. You're dealing with different techniques um, on the mini comic side of things. And just, but you know, you're going to make, you're making trade-offs to gain those strengths. Uh, it's not that, you know, doing mass printing it it doesn't have its its incredibly useful benefits, but like you get locked in, you get locked in to the a process too. Yeah, it, that's yeah. a great way of putting it. That's a great way of putting it. Uh, mini comics kind of unbind you from a lot of constraints, um, and I I see that unbinding as an invitation to explore and experiment. Hmm. But then again, I find <laughs> these little itty bitty things just as delightful and just as charming because in these cases it's all about the idea right let me get my idea across what's well, uh okay so these are some awesome examples very powerful right what um what say you we look more at the why and some of the benefits of making mini comics and yeah, uh, yeah. so like in a minute and 30 seconds we're going to talk about what benefits we've derived artistically in terms of our growth and in terms of um, just uh, developing evidence and building skill through engaging with these kinds of little tiny projects. But before we do that, we have to thank some people who make this show possible. And those people happen to be uh, the folks who support us on Patreon. Yes, patreon.com slash lean into art is uh it's well it's it's our it's the way for you to give us a monthly upvote saying like yes i believe in you and i believe in the stuff that you do i enjoy it and i want to keep it going um and we want to take this opportunity to thank five people who have been doing just that first up jamie gamble at jamie gamble on twitter thank you jamie for supporting the show and believing in us owen jolin so we mentioned a little while ago uh, at comic colorist go go track him down on twitter and go check out his art sound off entries they were really great uh, Mark Falk at Radimir on Twitter. Thank you, Mark, for supporting us. India Swift, old Swifty on Twitter. Thank you, India. And finally, Casey Snipes. And you can find Casey on Twitter at, at letter K, letter C, Snipes. And if you want to go to patreon.com slash lean into art, you can find all the shows that we produce as well as the extra leans, the shows that we record in between the main shows where Rob and I usually just like riff on a topic and land on some kind of interesting discussion uh but once a month and it's for patrons only and then uh that post becomes an open mic post where you can take the conversation wherever you want to in a safe place where only fellow leaners hang out so once again that's patreon.com slash lean into art and thanks to everybody who has been supporting us there Mm -hmm. thank you very much it means a lot to us uh patreon um what is it? The, the the new pledge system notwithstanding. We're waiting to find out what the, what the, how they respond to that backlash. Yeah. Clearly, the tools we choose to uh, to connect with connect with who we're trying to serve uh, sometimes they change. Uh, we've evolved platforms over the years at Lean Into Art. We may evolve again. I don't know, but uh, for right now, that's where we're at. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, we need to uh, dig into this and and see <laughs> see how it's panning out. Right. It's it's a uh, yeah big topic. So big topic. All right. We already have well. one for today. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Rob. That's a good transition to talk about what we got to talk about next. We got to go uh, ten thousand feet up. Where we talk about the topic in more in abstract terms, talking about the why aspects of the topic instead of the the, the what and the how. So, what do you think? What's uh, what are some of the benefits you found from engaging with this format? Ooh, um, I just thought of so a couple of benefits that just occurred to me are, well, it's connecting, connecting with, with an audience and, and sometimes having a fresh something to, uh, to even, even carry in your pocket, depending on where you're going. Right. And you, you, you've used the metaphor and, and, uh, um, you've, you've like on the lean into our cast. And also I recall you mentioning this, on uh, thunder punch daily, your art journal podcast, or one of your art journal podcasts, because anyway, your other one you have to uh, support Jersey on Patreon to get, and that that one is is called uh, Fabulous Secrets. Anyway, Thunder Punch Daily, you mentioned this idea. I'm burying the lead, super buried. I have to dig, 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 dig. <laughs> um, it's this the, the idea of of being at a cocktail party. You don't run around and hand out your business card, right? But like. Uh, in the context of certain events, like it makes a lot of sense to just in your pocket, if you happen to have some, have mini comics, or it's some incentive to say, hey, you're going to this big event. It's, it'd be appropriate in the right conversations to have a mini comic and maybe do a swap or um, what have you it, as a networking tool. And um, that's one thing where, let's see, so to, let's see, so not last year, but the year before when I went to A2CAF, um, I did an update of uh, a story that I, and I renamed it. So this, this used to be called, um, No Remorse River Horse. When I, I did this originally as a, um, 24 hour comic a few years back and I, I, it was wordless, right? So it, it was wordless and it, and it didn't have, you know, it had a weird title. So then it began, it got renamed, uh, Toughest Hippo Goes to Bunny Town. And it was like a, not a huge creative process to do some, um, to pick up this work. And then I made it into a, essentially a poem where um, I added. Yeah, the whole uh, story's told in verse, and I love this. Yeah. This is, so then, then essentially I took the what was wordless panels and added, uh, added verse. Um, so such as the toughest hippo leaves the hippo kingdom to walk the earth round. Eventually that walk led to bunny town. And, and so on, right? So that little layer, that not great amount of effort was a, a nice, like, freshness that I could bring to an event. Um, that's one example of the, the networking thing. The other one is, I don't know if I've shared this, but, like, I've made my new business card, which I just carry a couple with me, is a mini comic, right? So, boop, super tiny. Um, oh, wow. And I, I carry it, like, I, I stuck it... I, I, I slip it right behind the some note cards in my little uh, note card thing I carry in my pocket. And what it is, is uh, it's, uh, it's essentially a business card. That's it, in mini comic form, right? So if you fold it, I have a message that is repeated or reused, right? So it's, it's got a couple of these windows because I'm trying to show like, hi, I think a lot about design and whatnot. And look at this, you know, the, the in-depth 
nature to such a small object? What if we worked on something big together, right? That kind of thing is, is it's imbued in this and in the message. And, um, and it's a mini comic for that, that connecting with others. Yeah, yeah, because, yeah, I, I think, as I said on, on the Thunder Punch Daily, is, like, I go to conventions and I get cards traded with me, you know, people give me their business card, and there was this one in particular where, you know, you meet so many people at shows, I mean, if you go to the after parties and everything, you could potentially meet hundreds of people, right, if you're really working to get around the event, especially at big ones, right, like at ALA oh, or something. Easily, yeah. And I got back to the hotel room and I took all the cards out of my wallet and there's this one had a beautiful image and then just like a person's name. And I think it was like an email address. And I was like, well, this tells me exactly nothing except that they can draw really well. If indeed that's what they drew, you know, it it was, it was and I didn't remember who they were. Right. Because like, there wasn't this moment of me connecting with anything that they were saying with this piece, this artifact that they handed me. So Mm -hmm. what you're describing is something. Yes. This is thoughtfully crafted to begin a conversation. Right. There's those holes cut in there. And it's, I'm looking at them and be like, oh, wow, what's this? Oh, neat. I like how this works. And, you know, and then it invites you to elaborate and explain and demonstrate your expertise so that you become a more memorable presence. Right. Not to say that this is all Machiavellian, like like manipulating people, but part of it is. And, uh, but the other part yeah, of it. That's a he- there's a healthy necessity to the social aspect of us as humans to connect yeah. and whatnot. Even if we have an aversion, if we've seen misuses of that. Right. Someone trying to manipulate your lizard brain to buy booze or whatever, right? It's like, whatever. Um, someone wants you to be particularly titillated or what have you. Like, th- those techniques get overused. And, and, but um, the entire, uh, like, discipline and benefits to choosing to engage in, in, like, well, showing that you have this service to offer and making others aware of it... Um, it, it's it's a worthwhile endeavor to try to find some comfort with that. Otherwise, it, it's that's going to be a really tough tough uh, tough road as far as the, the sustainability of your business. Yeah. Um, so anyway, yeah. So so like a little tiny comic like what you're describing, or even you know like something like Megan's with this comics the cat, just something that's really small and pocketable that gives a very brief but clear idea of who you are and what you do. Right. Um, so for for now, what I've been doing as a stopgap, because I haven't had time to make a new comic uh, in that way, I've just been taking like these floppy guys and then just printing with my uh, letterpress in the back, like my contact information, right? That's great. Multiple use. It's multiple use. It's Here's a, a cute comic. Yeah. It's not locked in. It's flexible, right? That's that's a wondrous part of mini comics. I could have t- I could have done that with a different mini comic as well, um, but I wanted to. I don't know. It was an interesting challenge and a little experiment. So. It's really neat. Um, yeah, the guys in the chat are, are impressed by it as well. Um, okay, so something Owen said that I want to underline. Uh, and Owen said it much better than, than I can. So I recommend you go check out his podcast, uh, his uh, Art Sound Off Entry. But he talked about how in physical exercise and physical therapy, like to build muscle strength, you don't just target just this bicep. I'm just going to work just this bicep, like, like the most, some of the most effective strength training, as I understand it, <laughs> I clearly don't. I love this segment it. of the show. Please. <laughs> I, we forgot to play this, the, 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 the pump it up stinger or whatever, but keep going. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to tell everybody. Also, we're talking now. fitness, so I'm getting worked up. 
Right. Anyway, supposedly it's more effective to work multiple muscles at once. And sure enough, like when I stretch to do to go jogging or whatever, um, I have been looking into this and like there's all these different stretches you can do that work like several different systems at once. Like this is going to do your glutes, your legs and your upper arms because, you know, you're working your body as a system rather than as targeting individual things. And Owen was talking about how mini comics, you're doing something very similar in that. You're using several skills all at once. You're leveling up several skills all at once instead of just targeting one. So if you're saying like, well, I got to get better at drawing. Well, I'm going to practice figure drawing. I'm going to go to life drawing classes. Well, that's working like one thing, right? But when you're doing a comic, you're practicing your writing. You're practicing your design. You're practicing your um, re- your rendering technique. You're practicing that that uh, drawing human form or whatever. Uh, you're practicing your three-point perspective, two-point perspective, if, if that's in your story. Uh, you're, you're practicing... Uh, pre-press and uh, production values. All those things are being engaged with in this very manageable way because you're only doing like an eight-page story. So Owen found this really lovely metaphor for something I've been saying for years in in that it's something that is easy to engage with, but when you come out on the other side, you've practiced a lot of different things and – the next one you do presumably will be a little bit better from the experience of the last one, right? Hmm. Yeah, it's a it's a deep practice. It's like the I mean, it's it's a multi skill practice. That's uh, and I and and one of the things I don't know what to call it. There's got to be a name for a multi skill practice that has like a completeness to it and also a sort of. Um, service or exchange to it where like a, a mini comic becomes a, a pro I, I would say a, a more shareable piece of work that others could benefit from than essentially a single drawing for the most part especially if it's sort of the informal style like informal drawing versus um no and, and not all mini comics are informal though of course um, this is anyway, I'm just, yeah, I'm, thanks I'm, Rob. I mean, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise. I've unmasked the villain. It's me. No, I, I get what you're saying though. Um, let me see if I can build upon it and also risk sounding like I'm uh, dismissing entire groups of people. Um, thanks. <laughs> just <teasing>. uh, <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying to channel Kate, but I'm not good at it. I was listening to the Art and Science Punks podcast, and she's so good at just giving you the business, but in this really sweet, gentle way. Um, it's so fun to listen to. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I once saw somebody was passing around this comic strip of a person, like they hold up a drawing, and they're like, and it says "new thing," and like the audience is like, eh. and then he's like, he takes popular thing other popular thing and smushes it together like that and everybody cheers and then the artist just looks sad because that's all people want is just mashups of what they already know i get the pain but i also empathize with the audience because it's hard to just buy into new things all the time we're getting hit with so many signals this is all to say this is all to build this point of if i see a beautiful drawing i can say beautiful drawing if there's nothing else to hook me into it then all i have is this moment of momentary awe at a piece of ex- uh, demonstration of exquisite skill, right? But if you make it into a story, and this is what you're talking about, the Art and Science Punks podcast, by the way, you talk about this idea of like how narratives, how narratives help us to remember things, how narratives help us like uh, sign on and empathize with things. Suddenly, I, th- I feel like it's, I want to hear what you think about this. I feel like it's ticking the same switches 
that we get when somebody takes popular thing and other popular thing and smushes them together. Because if you've written something that people can relate to, then you've given them an on-ramp to get excited about it, even if they've never heard of it before. Right? Because why do those two things that they like smush together make them happy? Because those things have already flipped those switches mm. of their empathy and, and, and uh, emotional um, identification. Well, yeah, absolutely. Because you have this thing that's, that, that is light, well, more frames. More, like, it's not just the single, the single expression of an idea that maybe you intuitively get everything that was trying to be communicated in that. But let's say you didn't. If you have a sequence of ideas presented to you, now they, they become a little system that can, can teach you what it meant because it's a story. It's a thing after a thing after a thing. And... I mean, even if it is challenging and juxtaposing just weird moments or vignettes or whatever, it's still because of the sequence, there's this context and packaging and a wholeness to it compared to um, like a standalone uh, illustration, especially, mm-hmm. yeah, I won't use my informal. <laughs> um, yeah. No, but yeah, yeah. I, I think the word informal is appropriate a lot of times in mini comics. I mean, I consider the, my engagement with them is, is a very informal way. And this is where we can get to another aspect of like um, what I like about leveling up in terms of um, of art is that, yes, when I draw one of these mini comics, I am putting my all into it. But I'm still I still feel like I'm risk taking in that I can experiment with different ideas. I can test drive ideas. Right. Um, Pickles and Taft started off. This is a mini comic that, you know, you can get at the tiny astronaut store, but also I'm going to have it at tiny expo. Um, It started off as just like it was an Inktober drawing. It literally was just it started off as I drew a pig on a tortoise for an Inktober sketch one year. And I got a lot of feedback on the drawing. You know, a lot of people, a lot of people who I respected gave me like, you know, enthusiastic responses. It's like, okay, I wonder if there's something there. Well, let's make it into a comic. Let's see how it does its shows. You know, um, I don't have to make a full uh, graphic novel out of the idea. I can basically do like a, an episode, and it's a great way for me to experiment with my writing, experiment with my drawing, and experiment with different kinds of ideas. Um, uh, that that sort of, I mean, that's another kind of leveling up. It, it it's both in the execution of all the visual communication and whatnot and the packaging and connecting with an audience. But, um, as far as leveling up with your storytelling, finding what, what resonates that you enjoy creating. And so it's almost like how a band will try new material and maybe deprioritize stuff that isn't getting a big audience reaction, but then, yeah, you know? Stand-up comics do something similar where they go on the road and they try out things in small clubs and then they, they put together their hour you know, it's like they, they, they tour for like a year and then they find their hour of material based on what they fool around with. Um, mm. And so so that that's when, when you say informal, that's what I think of is that I don't feel a lot of pressure to deliver something that is conceptually very polished. It can just be me screwing around uh, idea wise and seeing what sticks. And uh, so I, I have an example of that where. Um, I, I created a comic that has is like four chapters to it, Art Geek Zoo, The Way of Sound. It's still at artgeekzoo.com. 
but there's a uh, there's a character in there that was a sort of you know one of the antagonists, and it's this little guitar pedal called Max Ruckus Effects, and I want I just I had different you know thoughts and I that I wanted to to try where what if this character um, had more depth and could they could they take on more in the in the story and so I did a little side story with Max Ruckus Effects right. A, a kind of exploration and also um, a, a way to practice um, let's see a different a different art style so instead of being all digital with which which is where I was with the main comic I went with an analog production approach so um, finding just like how much you know art style and the amount of shading and and you know doing some light coloring as opposed to you know full color and all this stuff so a lot of experiments that i just put into into this little project and it's um uh it's yeah so it's not just the art but it can be uh finding a new finding a new job or voice or character or um topic right yeah all of those things uh the mini comics format is very it, it's it's very adept or it's uh it's it feels very optimized to be playful in that way with all those things like yes like you were saying like uh um when i look at pickles and taft which was drawn entirely in clip studio paint and it was my experiment to see like how close can i get to what it looks like when mm. i draw on paper with clip studio paint right um Versus a friendly game, which was drawn, uh, inked directly off of the thumbnails, right? Um, which this was how, what how I did as an Inktober challenge, right? So can I do a 24-page comic for Inktober one year? Sure, I did it. Now I can make a mini-comic out of it. Um, playing with different tools and different flows and approaches and even different... Um, like you, when you showed your comic, it was uh, a different aspect ratio, right? Oh yeah, wide. this is yeah going wide format. Um, it's I, I have an affection for the wide format um, mm. because yeah, I even I even bound the uh, uh, the now which I I don't think very many copies uh, ex- well, I don't have many copies anymore of the um, the four chapters of Art Geek Zoo. I did that in a sort of a uh, a landscape layout, mm. and it, honestly, just because I I like it. I like that. I like that. Lay, that um, um, I I like how it f- feels to consume things that are the rectangle on its side. <laughs> That's it. So interesting. Uh, I've done one mini comic that way, uh, which is the fish don't have teeth story. That uh, again is on the Boulder and Fleet website. We'll talk about that in a minute. Hmm. But. Um, but yeah, I'm 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 still I'm still fond of the portrait mode because of the th- the three tiers, the implied three tiers that you get out of it. And I think that something I run into when I do wider panel or wider pages is uh, doesn't feel as easy to stack three. You get two stacks, right? You get, you get two rows out of it. Um, That's a good point. That's a really like if you have a comfort or discomfort with either, like that's a good. <laughs> I don't know, a good, uh, either if you want to challenge yourself, pick the one you're less comfortable with, uh, mm-hmm. um, or, or not because, well, no, yeah, maybe I, that's I, not I, what you want to test. 
Right. Maybe that's not what you want to test, but that is another element, right? That uh, part of the, the excitement about the format for me is running those little experiments. I wonder if I could do such and such, right? So the fish don't have teeth comic was like, Hey, I wonder if I could, that, that was one that I drew for mini comic day where you draw an entire mini comic in eight hours. And so I sat down with a piece of paper and I was like, and I, I had it like this and then I had it like this. I'm like, eh, let's see, you know, I turned it sideways and started going, um, so yeah, I, I get excited about like finding out where the edges are on my skill set and pushing at them a little bit. And in there's something that's very manageable about an eight page mini comic because you can conceivably, you know, even if you're only putting in like twenty minutes here, twenty minutes there, you can crank one of them out uh, over the course of you know a few weeks if you if, if even if you have very very limited time, or you can do them in an evening if you want to put eight hours into it. You know. Mm. Um, I, yeah, the, that's a different I have, volume of work. No, it's ahead. not. It's not the. It's not the challenge of of putting out a uh, a graphic novel, right? So it's there is the whole. Um, you know, sometimes when you fall in love with a medium, you can have well, like your like you described, Jersey with the mini comic, have your platonic ideal of well, that's what this this a set of design constraints um, it has become my assumption of what this medium uh, is, and um, that can really. I don't, that could really lock you in if you're like, well, I got to tell a story that's 80 pages or 120 pages or what, ha- what have you. And a mini comic is this way to just have little slices where you're almost doing a, um, oh, let's see, you're, the, the kind of story where a bunch of artists get together and they tell short stories, right? A anthology, anthology, but just doing one little slice. Yeah, yeah, that's another thing is that these things can be collected. Um, and then something I've said before, but I think it, it, deserve, it, it bears repeating. Um, one of the hardest things, we, we did an episode on pep talks last time, you know, talking about those points and hit low points, we get stuck on something. And sometimes you can get stuck on the fact that it doesn't feel like it's going anywhere or it doesn't feel like I'm doing enough, right? Maybe you're only getting to crank, you get to like whittle 20 minutes a day. And that sense of inertia can feel very elusive, right? Well, you, if you have like a stack of mini comics of different ones that you've made, suddenly you have evidence that you can create and ship a thing. Um, by the way, I've, I've been using that language in my classroom a lot. Uh, teen students have a different relationship with the word ship and shipping. <laughs> oh, rat. <laughs> So they what? kept getting stuck on that. They're like, why do you keep saying that? Like, why do you want us to ship? What are we shipping? I'm like, you're shipping comics. Like, I don't ship comics. Like, oh, okay. Finish and complete and deliver a comic. In other words, shipping, you know, like the, like the post office and UPS does. <sighs> but, All uh, right. Um, yeah. Kids, right? Gotta no, get but, a new metaphor, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> but But this can become maybe not like a cure-all, but it can become one more sort of salve to help keep you going is that well look i've got five things that i've made i've proven that i can do it this isn't this isn't inability that's stopping me this is something else right so thinking of this kind of um getting (laughs) what is like what what's a good way to uh shape a mini comic and i'm wondering if like like picking the right topic or project or something 
Um, what are some things that, that you think of where it's like, oh, this is becoming an experiment? And I'm curious if this, is, this could be a question that we, we, um, we explore as our, final as our final thought. You're so good at this. Look at this, everybody. This is the picture of experience. Hi. <laughs> uh, hey. Or, or <laughs> aged experience. Yeah. Anyway, okay. <laughs> uh, quite true. Sorry. All right. In about two minutes, we're going to conclude with that thought. It's like, how do you know, like, or what are some ways that we think about approaching this in an experimental oh, way? Oh, man. And how to get embarrassed by your podcast co-host. Um, <laughs> their bonus topic. All right. Next episode, you know, it, it, all, all, uh, all holds are barred. Uh, no holds are barred. And uh, <laughs> you, you come at me, bro. Come at me in any any vicious way you need to. Oh, um, man. Uh, I asked for it. I, I totally did one of these. Um, <laughs> in the gentlest way possible. Uh, right. I'm thinking. I'm thinking. I know. <laughs> All right. We got to thank some more people who make this show possible. Those people happen to be us. We make stuff. You know, we announced when we got here that uh, we are visual storytellers so uh let's talk about some of the stuff that we actually make to communicate visually um i said i'm a cartoonist and teaching artist that is to say i make comics and i teach comics classes and the comic that i hope you'll check out today is boulder and fleet adventurers for hire what's it about two best friends and they want to make a living as adventurers they're not, they're not always that great at it though because while the bird is a very effective like fleet she's she's a really uh clever and effective bird and very ambitious she wants to be super successful well she's uh partnered up with this very powerful bear all right sounds like it's a recipe for success oh no he doesn't like fighting he doesn't like getting into adventures very much he would much rather sit around and make friends and eat apples uh so solving the kinds of problems that adventures run into become a little bit more complicated. You can read it at boulderandfleet.com. It's also on Instagram at boulderandfleet on Twitter at boulderandfleet. Um, there's also a Patreon where I post some behind the scenes stuff and, uh, there's a link in the sidebar to that as well as where you can get the print editions of Boulder and fleet. And right here, look, there's Boulder and fleet and fish don't have teeth and pickles and taft. Um, yeah. Oh, so. and by, that's where you also post your uh, awesome, fabulous secrets uh, art cast. Oh, that's well. right. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic that's feature it. of supporting you on Patreon. Oh, thanks. Uh, Rob, you make a game. Let me... Um, I'm going to stop screen sharing so I can pull up the game, and then I will... Well, you go ahead and talk about it, and then I'm going to... Uh, All right, you see. got it. So I make a game called uh, This Panda Needs You, and... Uh, Let's say you're thinking, I like, I like a casual, pretty mellow experience to just sort of play around on my, my phone or tablet or even desktop where it's just like, I want to take a little calm break. Or uh, maybe you, you have little ones in your life who are looking for a, um, a really uh, a fun pattern matching kind of game to play. This Panda Needs You is really well suited to that. Because what you have is this cute little panda who's there to, you know, you know, minding their own business, walk along through this 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 calm forest, and uh, you encounter stacks of shapes, different shapes, size, you know, in situations that uh, different patterns. A cloud every single time you encounter these things comes along, knocks them down, and your job is to help the panda put them back together the way they're they're meant to be, right? 
and uh, it's it's physics based, so it gets more challenging as you go up through the over 50 levels. When it's like it's a little more crowded, and you got to kind of manage what are you going to stack first, and where, and how. And uh, but even then, it's it's a pretty mellow game, and uh, you can learn more about it <clears throat> at this this-panda.com and you can buy it in all sorts of different app stores itch.io for the desktops and then of course google play for um phone and tablet uh android and then um the itunes app store for the iphone and ipad this-panda.com if you did purchase the game a great thing you could do if you haven't done it already is giving it a star rating in the itunes app store that helps more people find it all right but let's suppose that that's that's very nice. You guys make games and you make comics. Good for you. But we're really here to listen to the way you guys think about ideas. Fair enough. Uh, this is a product that we make, and there's more like it at leanintoart.com slash workshops, where there are you know com- uh, finished videos, video workshops, like discrete video workshops that you can download at a price of your choosing, even if that price is zero. I've got comics workshops in there that I've been teaching in my classrooms for years. Uh, Rob's got making video games from comics, storytellers, UI tools showing how you understand user interface if you understand comics. Once again, leanintoart.com slash workshops. If you are watching this video on YouTube right now, giving it a thumbs up helps more people find the show. Or if you're listening to it in a podcatcher like iTunes, uh, Giving it a star rating on iTunes helps more people find the show as well. And we thank everybody who has been doing all of those things. It means a lot to us. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. All right. Okay. Final thought time. So final thought. We're going to just uh, noodle about this, the idea of like, well, where to start? What's a good mini comic experiment? Good mini comic experiment. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Let me ask for clarification real quick. Okay. Um, do you mean you've got an idea and how do you know that that idea is experiment material or how do you create an experiment to generate ideas? Well, yeah. So do you start with, with mini comic is this form that, well, it's a container. I'm just going to put something in there and figure it out. Or do you start with, I got the thing that's really going to be well suited to mini comic or you know what? Uh, Oh, there's so many puzzles about this thing. This, this story. Uh, Hey, maybe I can find a way to, to, put it in a mini comic format to to get unstuck mm-hmm. yeah so i know it's i know it's an experiment when i mix i wonder how much of this is self-knowledge from years of experience but um <laughs> no i i do wonder about this because like i i can tell when i'm Rob, you've known me a long time. You know that I get fired up about some things i get really mm-hmm. enthusiastic and my eyes get wide and i'm like oh my god i talk really fast right I get that way about my story ideas sometimes. Um, and I know that that excitement will wane the moment it becomes work. So how do I keep it from becoming work? Well, I make it a, a tiny thing. And if, if I come out the other side of that with the sim, with the, uh, uh, if the, if the interest is still there, if I'm still, ex- still fired up about the idea, then I know to keep investing in it. Um, so, and also, I get excited about ideas, but then the moment I think about like having to build like the world logic and like what's the magic system I'm going to use in this, like how do physics work with this kind of magic and what kind of terrain is going to be there? What kind of vehicles would you find in the world? And I go, oh, oh my gosh, this turned into a research project now. Can I just tell a story? You know, that's that's what the the experiments that many comics provide me is it allows me to dive in without having to do all of that extra d- development work, right? Mm. So Boulder and Fleet started that way. Boulder and Fleet started out with like, I just want to do these two friends. They both have different points of view. 
it'll be a fun experiment to try. And it was also like a, a structural experiment where it's like, I want to tell a story where um, they're based on people that I know, but I swap the points of view, but, but keep the original voices, right? That kind of thing, like that kind of experimentation in, in narrative. Okay, I can dive in and do that stuff, but I don't have to think too hard about like, why are there bug creatures and lizard creatures that are talking? I don't have to explain that because it's a, it's a mini comic. So when I'm excited about an idea, but I'm not excited about developing it, then I know it's a mini comic ex- experiment. Um, mm. Does that make sense? Um, it does. So do you do you find that where is it sort of the okay? I'm excited about the idea, and then some critical process in your brain goes, but what if you know why? Why is the you know why is the bear that strong or or how right how did that yeah. bear grow up to become that strong and you're like ah backstory oh no world yeah. building is i mean yeah. is that how yeah we're yeah okay yeah i i i get bummed out when i have to start thinking about backstory uh and and i i want to make sure that everybody understands that i know this is probably like something that's a specific bias of my own probably coming from my fascination with the Saturday morning cartoon style of storytelling where you don't get backstory. You just dive in and like, I'm fascinated by the idea of like, how can I get the the reader to know the characters and understand where they're coming from with as little dialogue and as little visual material as possible. Right. How can I, how can I very efficiently deliver the idea of character? I love that. So the idea of backstory seems like a lot of unnecessary spade work. You know, it's like, I I don't want to be in the garden for an hour and a half, right? I want the carrots. Give them to me now, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that was a good metaphor or not, but um so well, no, it's a great metaphor and and I mean your point of of um how do I keep this the I mean I'm paraphrasing, but but like how do I keep an idea that I love from becoming drudgery and the drudgery being the maybe the the long slog of a long story development or the, the, the traps, potential traps of deep world building and backstory. Um, because there's, there's no room for it. Like, so it's, it, it's the, um, severe space constraint, I guess, of the medium that sets you free. Mm -hmm. Is that it? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because you, I know that in eight pages I have to hit certain beats really quick, right? Climax has to happen on page six, right? Or thereabouts in that general vicinity. Um, page one, I have to establish where the characters are, how they feel about one another, and start to get close to what their desire is in the story, right? Page two, you better know what they want. Page three, they start to interact with that and come up against some kind of hiccups. You know, page four, five is where climax happens. And then page six is like, you know, the, the solution to the problem. Page seven is wrapping up. Mm. So, or page seven, eight, somewhere in the neighborhood. Like, I, I don't have it like nailed down like a perfect map like that, but like, it's easy it's to flow. figure out. Right. Yeah. I mean, each page and the panels on the page are containers for that flow that, you know, hopefully it's, it's not just, it's not a Mad Lib. So you don't know exactly what to fill out where, but, um, but you certainly, it, it's not a big mystery. It's not like it's hundreds of pages or even dozens. Uh, there's only so many jobs and so many pages uh, to, as far as hitting beats of like that, like an arc of um, like a common story progression. Right. 
Uh, Shadowing, uh, Troy in the chat is saying, uh, you saved the backstory for when you've established your idea. He says, issue three of Captain Yuletide was when I finally revealed the origin of the powers and rules. Yeah, I mean, I did something very similar, Shadowing, with um, the origin of Jared, which was a, a single standalone story that I did after I finished the front graphic novel, right? Because, like, w- do we need to know where Jared, the abominable snowman, comes from? No. All we need to know is that he likes slushies. He's not that bad a guy. He's just mixed up with the wrong crowd. But when readers started asking that question over and over, again, over and over again, I was like, all right, I'll write a short story about it. And I had time to think about it because I was developing all that other stuff along the way. So, um, yeah, that's kind of like a sideline point on this, but like back to your original idea of also knowing when it's an experiment is also when I get excited about different sizes and formats, you know, like when I see something like Megan Brennan's comics, the cat, and I go, I love that this contains a, a subtly complex yet apparently simple idea. And it happens very quickly enough to delight me and capture my attention. But then I put it down, you know, it's like, it's like this, the snack sized kind of feeling of, mm. of, um, of lovely. And, uh, like I said, like subtle kind of, uh, comics complexity. Hmm. And that excites me to say, well, can I do that? <laughs> can I put that together too? Can I make a, a story in this format that, that captures everything I love about comics in a way that gives somebody uh, this briefest of like this YouTube size or like Vine size uh, snippet of what an storytelling happiness? Yeah. Because it, right? it, like, that's I, a very interesting comparison to like essentially really brief, um, enjoyable satisfying video clips uh this is you know if there is any comic form that is close to that uh it's mini comics and yeah like the, like the batman dad or whatever <laughs> yeah remember that guy yeah yeah and like i that i remember that was the moment when i finally got vine like it's like oh this is what it's for okay um <laughs> huh i feel like yeah that's that's what Megan Brennan's comics, the cat is right. Um, wow, I I thought that was uh, a pretty darn useful exploration, Jersey. What do you think? Cool. I I, I feel like I've I've sang my my love song to mini comics again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, yeah, I just I just hope more cartoonists will consider engaging with the form. Um, it's it, because I like going to conventions and trading or or purchasing. Either way, uh, I love I love meeting cartoonists through mini comics, and finding out who I have an affinity for through the work that they do. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, so as you said, snack sized, right? So if yeah. someone happens to have been producing their their epic, right, and it's many chapters along, um, that's a really that's that's a lot like your co- like your uh, coffee table book you pointed out of He Man and Shira, where it's like boom, here's this work. That's yeah. hard to get to know someone over, you know, that, that much, that much material. Whereas the, the little, the little bit is, uh, it's perfect. Yeah. That's another great point. That's another great point. Cause I have people who like will come up and they'll give me like a 200 page graphic novel. Like, Oh, I look forward to hearing what you think. I'm like, huh, I look forward to finding the time to sit down and read this. <laughs> uh, whereas if they give me something that's like this, you know, like, or even like this, this little guy here, like. 12, 16 pages. I can get to know you pretty quickly through that. So, yeah. So it's, um, it's a great social media, right? 
it's a, it's a great experimental form of comics and, mm-hmm. uh, and it can be informal to incredibly artistic and expressive and like, uh, mutate into happy meals. So it really is a, a, a format that has it all. It has it all. That's amazing. It does. Because you can tell a longer story. You just have to collect a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Actually, yeah, Pranas, who did the Laughing Meal, he has like a, a collection of monster stories that are in slip cases that are all die cut, hand cut, and screen printed. Ugh, that guy is a freaking genius. I love his work so much. Wow. Um, hopefully he'll come to A2CAF again this year. So then maybe you'll get to meet him if you haven't already met him, Rob. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Well, thank you, everybody, for downloading watching and listening the show is recorded every week thursday nights at 10 p.m eastern 9 p.m central streamed live on youtube and then uh collected later on uh, rather usually the next day at patreon.com slash lean into art and uh, more social media links and things are going to be shared in a moment but until next time uh i have been jersey drozd of lean into art.com and jersey drozd on instagram and I've been Rob Stenzinger of leanintoart.com and Rob Stenzinger on Instagram. And this is where I say, okay, bye. Show notes for this episode can be found at leanintoart.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at the user leanintoart. And you can reach us via email at leanintoart at gmail.com. And remember, leaners aren't wieners. Thanks for listening.